you kick down walls and anyone who tells you you can't you take your fears your insecurities your worries you roll them all up into a ball you turn those son bitches sideways and stick them straight up that candy pick your goal and stick fucking to it you wishy-washy motherfuckers i can't fucking stand you I wanted to make sure that out of the 24 hours of the day, that I don't waste one single hour. Those hours were too precious. And so there I just want to tell people, don't give me this thing, I have a difficult time, I the time, and I don't have time for this, and I don't have that. You have time. You make the time. And now, welcome to the Be Informed Live Fit Podcast, sponsored by fitnessinformant.com. And he kill it while you sitting down Bitch about how I triple my fan base Man worth bitch Can't say there's worse bitch Do something, fuck it, I prove something Don't switch up, should have made your best first bitch I'ma rap my shit Put it in stone that I flex my dick It's a totally different year And by a totally different year I mean it's literally a totally fucking different year Um, How are you holding up? You know what, everything's been pretty pretty steady for me, man I, Honestly, I had a You know, I had a, a a little different year than normal. I mm. didn't travel to a lot of events and you know, you know, follow me for years. I I've been pretty much booked every weekend, even after retirement, uh, whether it's my show, military events, uh, other expos, yeah. you know, there's been nothing this year. I mean, I didn't, you know, everything halted before the Arnold in March and, uh, you know, we had planned to meet up there, I think was, mm-hmm. was the game plan. And of course, nothing, uh, nothing has really escalated since I've traveled a few weekends, but, all my events were canceled as far as the, the shows that I promote. And uh, now we're looking at, uh, you know, one of the most successful shows that's still happening, but pushed to the end of the year, the Mr. Olympia. How familiar are you with like the behind the scenes stuff with planning these events? Cause I, I think back to March and I just feel so bad for all the hard work that went into that event. And then, you know, obviously no expo, no fans and the same stuff, even with the Olympia, like it's been in this, this sort of flux and they pushed it. Um, I mean, I know you're ambassador and you're part of the event. Are you involved with any of the stuff behind the scenes or are you kind of hands off on that part? Um, you know what? I, I kind of have an insight on a lot of, st- on a lot of things. Unfortunately, like for the Arnold, for example, I mean, that rug got totally pulled out last minute with them. Everyone right. was there. Uh, we are every, every vendor, including, you know, myself had everything already shipped there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they decided, I think a day or two before that, hey, we're going to cancel this event. And unfortunately, like, we were all boarding a plane to head there, and that got canceled. But as far as the Olympia, like, we kind of knew where the direction was heading. I mean, I was the the face last year, um, so I knew kind of, like, the insight thing. I kind of know a little things with production on the production side that are planned for this 2020 event. Um, and I think now I, I've worked with Dan for years. I mean, I remember when Dan was – was just uh, kind of managing people. And then, of course, working through the, the digital muscle, the pro bodybuilding weekly, all that stuff. Uh, you know, we've kind of worked closely together for years. And uh, I, he has a good insight on a lot of things. And I, I like what he does. And uh, he, he's trying to mix it up a little bit and try to create a better event than than the year past. And I, I feel that this year's event will top last year's. Yeah. Well, there's a lot going on this year, too. I mean, your buddy Dexter, the, the cowboy rides away this, this year. I feel – I don't know if I – I don't want to feel bad for Dexter, but, you know, but I wish there were better circumstances around his last show. I, you know, like I wish I just wish it would have been normal for him to kind of go out the way he wanted to go out. Have you had conversations with him at all? 
Yeah, a little bit. We've we've kind of had some chatter back and forth, but I, I truly don't think Dexter will retire this year. That's my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I know they're using this as his. Hey, this is my last one, but I think he's I think he's going to come back and compete again. Quite honestly. To the Olympia again, you think? I think so. I mean, yeah. I think he's going to finish in the top in the top field, and I think. I mean, why would you leave? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you know, it's still a career. It's still. I mean, he kind of missed. I feel like this year is like you got to kind of like black, you got to yeah. cross this year off and say, okay, well, let's, let's just skip the 21. Right. Yeah. So I think that's really how people are going to look at it. And without the huge fan support, uh, cause we know a lot of people will not attend, uh, just because they can't a lot yeah. of, especially international people because of the quarantine and whatever. Uh, I think that he'll make that decision, but I'm not going to speak for him, but I have a feeling that this isn't the last we'll see him at the Mr. Olympia. Well, if he's proven anything, it's that he doesn't age. So, I mean, he can just keep keep doing this forever, it sounds, it seems like, at this point. I think he had also said he wanted to do um, Dwayne Johnson's show, mm. right? The, uh, the Rock. Uh, Icon Classic, yeah, like, I guess is what they're calling it. Yeah, so, so I think, you know, because of that postponement till 21, I think that show will take place. I think we'll see him in another competitive season. Why he's there, he's going to say, why not make the sweep and uh, come back and, and try to grab the title again? And who knows who's going to be there at that point? Or, you know, what if he won this year? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, don't, don't count that out. I mean, every time you try to count Dexter out, he's he's right there knocking at the door. Yeah, I mean, even at the Arnold, he finished second. Arguably, he could have won the show. I think a lot of us thought, you know, between him and Bonet, I mean, it was edge and edge. So yeah. um, it was interesting. Do you think... You know, being a professional bodybuilder, doing this before the extra three months that the cutters have gotten from September to December, does it benefit anybody, or is it is it still an even playing field because everybody got the same amount of time? It, it's going to benefit the guys that competed this season prior. Uh, it's going to give them a little longer uh, time, but uh, you know, remember a lot of them started kind of training for it prior to the announcement of hey, we're going to we're going to move the event. So I think in their mind, it's really hard to switch off. Okay, for a September event, now we're going to push to. December. So I think, uh, I think a lot of guys, uh, mentally were already there. Um, but it's going to give someone like, uh, you know, definitely like Dexter who competed earlier in the season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a better advantage or whatnot. What about Phil? He hasn't competed in two years or whatever it is. Right. So, I mean, he gets some extra time to, to chisel himself up for, for December on stage. Uh, he, He's going to be ready no matter what. Yeah, well, I think you're not wrong. Him, I mean, sitting out, him sitting out two years. I mean, you you saw. I mean, he he was pretty much uh, in shape all the time. Uh, you never want to count him out either because he's probably the most genetically blessed Mr. Olympia we've ever seen, including Ronnie Coleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think he's coming back with a vengeance, and I think he'll he definitely should be the guy we have our eyes on to win the title back. Well, I think a lot of people agree if, if Phil is Phil, he wins. Uh, and I, I mean, I've heard people say he wins in a landslide, like it's not even close. I mean, he, like you said, genetically gifted, ridiculous. Um, and I, I don't, I mean, put yourself in somebody like Brandon Curry's shoes. You know, you're like, you're coming in, you're the defending champion. Nobody seems to be talking about you. Um, you, you it, literally every conversation I've had with pro bodybuilders, no one mentioned, I mean, they mentioned him as a good advocate for the sport great person, but in terms of his chance to compete for a title against the best of the best, I, I don't, I don't feel like he gets the respect. So, I mean, from your, your standpoint, like, how would you take it? Uh, in, inside, uh, honestly, Ryan, I don't know if, I, I mean, people are looking at him. He is the defending, right? Um, but there's also guys that, 
kind of get a little more notoriety because uh, they're kind of the like the big Ramis who, uh, if he hits it right, um, people are. I mean, the most disrespected guy is probably Bonnick, who was second yeah. last year, and you know Howdy Chupon, who they're not sure if he can even come. I mean, Flex Lewis kind of overtook a lot of everyone's publicity, including Phil Heath's, because he decided to move up. And, and of course, that's kind of changed since since he's uh, exited the, the contest. Uh, I, I think Brandon, you know, he's definitely a contender. He's definitely, I would think, be in the top two or three. Um, can he win it? Absolutely. Can Bonnick win it? Yes. Can Dexter win it? Yes. Can Phil Heath win it? Yes. I mean, there's just too many guys. Um, Hottie Chupin, I mean, people. he was a people's champ last year. Yeah. There's so many guys that that really it, it's very uh, it, it's going to depend on who shows up like what. I mean, Phil Heath, if he shows up like we expect, if he shows up like 11, like when I lost to him, he wins hands down. There's mm -hmm. no no one's going to beat that physique. But there's a big question mark. What's his midsection going to look like that held him back against the Sean Rodens? I mean, even if Sean Roden was there, I mean, unfortunately, he's not in the show, but like he could be a, a real contender for this, too. So. Um, I think Brandon gets the respect because he, but the problem is, is it's just, he hasn't had a year to really publicize himself as Mr. Olympia. We've seen nothing other than social media. And if you don't follow him on social, you've seen nothing because you go to events and being at these big expos, he's been absent from it. I mean, he did go to the Arnold. He was present there, I believe. Right. So, uh, but we've kind of lost that whole um, year, like I said, of publicity. How much from like a business perspective standpoint, like the Olympia has an obligation to sell tickets and to get to that. So you're obviously going to tell the Flex Lewis is going up. You're going to tell your Dexter Jackson's last year, quote unquote, you're going to tell Phil Hill's returning. But how much responsibility falls, do you think, on the Olympia committee to, to tell the defending champion is going to be there and to give him a little bit of that rub because he earned it? I think, you know, I think the, uh, the Olympia can always do more. I'll be honest. I mean, I think the Olympia uh, this year, it's been such a question mark. And, you know, we, we really, I always said there should be some sort of a hype train, like a, a hype tour, get the guys yep. together, get, you know, get some, get some media coverage. And they couldn't do that this year. So I'm not going to sit there and point fingers like this should have been done or that. But realistically, you know, you should have your top five guys, you know, at least do some sort of publicity tour. Um, or even social, um, there should be these guys getting on some sort of a social platform together. Hey, this is how my training's going. I mean, I would imagine getting these five guys on a Zoom call, oh, which is not impossible, right? No. I mean, think how viral that would be right now. We're four weeks out from the show. Mm -hmm. How do you guys feel? What do you? What's your prediction? Right. What did you guys yeah, do? I mean, did you guys, when you were competing, I mean, did, you guys didn't necessarily have a tour. You guys had DVDs and things of that nature to publicize yourself. You didn't have the platforms we have today. I mean, did the Olympia back then have anything set up for you guys to, to, to help? No, we, you know, we, we usually went and we, you know, Ronnie and I guest posed together pretty much all the last three months prior to That's when cool. we went locked down for preparation. But remember, Flex Magazine did articles. They fly out to us. We would do our shoots prior to the competition um, or leading up, like I would start my prep at 12 weeks. They'd come shoot me in Las Vegas, you know, for the USA yeah. weekend, they'd shoot, okay, here's Jay at 290 pounds starting his preparation. This is what I'm doing. They do the same thing. They'd fly to Texas and they'd sit with Ronnie. They'd have him train and squat and, you know, 700 pounds in the gym, yeah. you know, showcasing the lifestyle. And that would be featured in the book. So you'd get that hype. You know, unfortunately, the books aren't like social media where it's minute to minute. Mm -hmm. uh, and But there's so much more advantage you can take 
but we've seen nothing other than what the athletes want to post. I mean, we haven't seen any Phil Heath necessarily. I mean, uh, you, you have the news coverage of like the media people, you know, Nick's power strength and power doing stuff and RX muscles. And I mean, I'm trying to put people on JTV. We've shot more girls than guys lately, but uh, we have so many outlets that we don't really take advantage of because we don't have access to the guys, you yeah, know? I, I agree. I mean, I think you and I have talked about it in the past too, about like injecting some personality into the sport. I mean, you and Ronnie did it with your DVDs. Um, some of the, some of the physique guys do it. Um, you know, they use their platform for it, but the, the main event, you know, the bigger guys seem to, and we've had a conversation about like covering up, you know, in the gym, you never cover up. Right. And I think who was, I just, I was talking to, um, the, I was talking to somebody the other day too about he's like well, I just always cover up I know Jay doesn't it's like why do you do you still encourage people to uncover and to show I think I think you're your best uh, advertisement right so especially these guys that are looking amazing right now um, yeah I give Guy Sister Nino a lot of uh, you know I bust his chops because you know he's like in a snowsuit training yeah. and he's like I just like training like that I said man but you look so good you know he's sending me pictures how he looks he looks amazing at you know five weeks and yeah. You know, and uh, I would showcase that. I mean, I used to I used to train tank top and shorts. Um, some people just aren't comfortable with it. So I mean, each each their own. Uh, I think it's great publicity, especially for your media. And like you said, the physique guys and the classic guys, they're all showcasing a little more than the open guys. Although we saw some pictures of Roly, I've seen some floating around how he looks in Kuwait. We saw Brandon Curry was doing an amazing job promoting himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he always looks amazing, but you know, it, it's those fine tuned dial down week before that's really going to, every guy in those top 10 is just a beast, right? Right. Uh, or even f further, anyone that's qualified is a beast. You know, Reagan Grimes is a, is an amazing example of showcasing, Hey, this is what I got going on mm -hmm. and I'm not shy to show it. He's got it down. He, if anyone should follow, uh, people's social media, uh, Regan Grimes is someone people should definitely follow um, as a model to what they need to do. What do you think about his future in the sport? I know he just won in Romania, um, and I texted him too, and I said, you look great. I mean, you know, and I look at guys like Nick Walker, for instance, who just won his pro card through Matt Jansen, just some of the younger guys in the sport. Future bright, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, Regan's just – it's time with him. Walker, the same thing. Walker, it should be – I mean, that he should be like the bodybuilder a year, to be honest. I mean, what he achieved to be able to place in top five in a in a pro show after earning a pro card. I don't know if anyone's really ever done that. Mm -hmm. uh, and he did it right, too. I, I, I was counting, you know, talking about the pro divisions. But, you know, Walker was a guy that showcased all the way up. He wasn't afraid to show the goods. He had a lot of hype going into that North Americans. He won it uh, with pretty convincing fashion. I mean, look, they, they had him touted to win that Chicago Pro he unfortunately did not, but and he's still posting. I mean, he's still out there putting the content out. Yeah, and that's why oh, I give him and Regan like our those two guys are like we really have highlighted. You know, on the men's bodybuilding side, you know, really something special this year. Yeah, I I agree, and they're, and they're good people. Like they're nice, good people too. And um, you know, I spoke to both of them. I speak to Nick quite a bit now too. But I think it also like in Nick's case, it helps with with his coach Matt. Matt's posting stuff about him as well. So we get a lot of view views on it, which I mean, some of the other guys we don't, their coaches don't, or maybe they're instructed not to. I, I'm not sure, but we just don't see a lot of them. He's gonna listen. Walker's got a great team around Dom and Matt. You know, all the revive and the raw, you know, raw nutrition. Like they got it going on. They're they're just they got a good uh, hold on what's what's happening, and I think they're very positive influence on him. And he's a very positive guy. That's what I love about him. Like, 
you know, I've known Walker since before he became anything, right? We, he used to come see me at Expos with his parents. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he always had the size, but he just had to get that fine tuning down to, to be as great as he is today. But he's very humble. Um, he, he's, he's very driven and he knows exactly he's, his confidence is high, but without arrogance. And that's, that's really, he's surrounded by a lot of positive people between his parents and, you know, his sponsors. And I'm sure they're like family to him now. I mean, him living in Florida, he put himself in a better atmosphere to be great. Same thing I did. I moved out of my atmosphere in Massachusetts to be in California to be better. And it's his, I, I see his career being endless at that rate because he's willing to make those changes. Yeah, you mentioned the team around him. I, I know those guys too. Great people for sure. This is your personal invitation to the Redcon 1 Alpha Team, our new exclusive subscription program. Enjoy members-only access to the Alpha Team apparel collection, priority customer service privileges, early shopping on major deals, exclusive flavor selections, and a whole lot more. This is your opportunity to become a Redcon 1 VIP. There's limited spots available, so go to redcon1.com and sign up today.
let's talk about I, I don't know your familiarity with Jake Wood. I'm assuming you probably are are, are fairly familiar. Um, but even like in a year of COVID and crazy year, like I feel like that team has done a really good job of hyping up the show. Um, you know, you, you know, in terms of some of the changes that they made. This is Jay's first, or Jake's first year at the helm of having the Olympian. This is what he's he's dealing with. But from what you know about Jake and and him and Dan working close together, what do you? How do you foresee like the future of the Olympia? You know, listen, Jake's been a supporter. I I see him as a huge position because he was like title sponsor for the last couple of years. I mean, Wings of Strength last year was the when the main sponsor along with Trifecta. Uh, so he was his position was pretty high. He's done the wings of strength. He's worked close with Tim Gardner down in Florida. He's worked close with Dan. Um, he's doing a lot of media, of course, picking up the whole AMI, uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the sale of the Olympia and flex and muscle and fitness and all that. He's just got a passion for bodybuilding. I mean, he brought women's bodybuilding back. He 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 said, no matter what, I'm not canceling this show. That was directly Dan relayed that to me. Uh, from the very beginning, he says, no matter what, we're not canceling this. Jake refuses to cancel it. That just shows the passion because he's willing to go into his pockets to finance this event to make sure that everyone can p- compete and everyone should be thankful. But we need to remember where this whole thing It's still called Joe Weider's Mr. Olympia weekend. Right. I can tell you coming from a background, Joe Weider was a huge mentor for me. He was the reason I became successful in bodybuilding. He created this event, and and I'm going to bring you back a little bit just in case, you know, because you're a little newer to this whole business. Joe Weider had contracts back in the day. He paid athletes, and in that contract, because I was one of them, our whole goal of the year was to be in that Mr. Olympia. That was like his Super Bowl. So you had to try to qualify. So he said, I don't care how many times you compete, your whole goal of this contract is to be in that Olympia and compete against the best guys. And if you didn't, you know, that was, it was only year to year contracts. You were a little concerned about, okay, am I going to get re-signed? Now, this is, this is Jake's, I see the passion in Jake really with this show. Like he's kind of like carried the the Joe Weider tradition. He's refusing (laughs) to give this event up no matter what the circumstance. And we know the circumstance this year is, I mean, it's the biggest obstacle we probably ever faced in, in history. Right. So, his passion is great. I just would love to see, um, you know, this Olympia carry that Joe Eater tradition and really, like, finance the guys to, okay, this is the ultimate show to compete in. There should be no other mindset of, like, there's any other contest to get into other than this. I mean, this is the, the granddaddy of all shows, right? So, um, you know, just very passionate guy. Um, he refuses, like I said, to give up on the show, and he's got, you know, Dan there right at the realm of the whole thing, and course tamer and, and tim gardner running you know what he tried with an expo as much as possible but uh and a huge staff i mean he's got a huge staff that remember the day this event ends the next year starts planning right and that has not halted yeah no it's good I, I you're right i see the passion in both and i've had conversations with dan almost weekly too and positive mindset too or not it doesn't it does not seem like they're discouraged or even in the world that's uncertain like they full fledged ahead this show is happening 100% i never heard anything other than that which is great and you mentioned that Jake brought back women's bodybuilding we talked the last time you were on about how the women weren't necessarily getting as much recognition as the men Jake changed that or at least he's trying to um Miss the Mrs. Olympia is is back this year, which is pretty cool. Because I mean, I never got to see it live, so that's that's great. Um, 
for the women watching and listening, like, can you explain the impact he's actually had on on the female side of things in bodybuilding? Listen, there's there's no much more respect from the female side of anyone to uh, to Jake Wood. I mean, Linda Murray works close with him, and as we know, she's you know one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, female, uh, arguably. I mean, Iris Kyle is back competing. I mean, mm-hmm. she said she would wasn't going to come back, and um, you know, you just have so many great women that that are in the show and so supportive of this guy. And you know, the Wings of Strength is just, I mean, it's become such a big brand, um, and they've given away the crazy prize money to these women. I mean, they uh, Hella won the car and I think a hundred grand last year at the at the Arizona event, which I think is is supposed to be happening, I think, coming up. Sure. Prior to the Miss, Miss Olympia. It's great. It is great. I mean, like, you know, we, if we were being transparent, will, will women ever have a stage as big as the men? Arguably, pro- I mean, probably not. Because, like, at the end of the day, men are the ones, and this is not being disrespectful. Like, a lot of times, like, they're the main event, um, and they're, they're the personalities, and they're what the show's built around. But it's good to see them taking steps in the right direction to bring the women up to more of an even playing field as the men. And, and I enjoy that because these women, as you know, work so hard to get to this point, just as hard as the men do. Um, and they're just built differently, right? Like, men are the mastodons. They're the beasts. They're the monsters. But that's no, nothing should be taken away from what the women are doing. Yeah, and they're still going to have the main stage. It's just that, you know, if you said it's always arguable between classic bodybuilding and men's physique, oh, you know, what's what's going to bring more people in to sell the event? Let's be real. I mean, it's still based the Mr. Olympia is where it all started. Mm-hmm. Um, there were men's and women's, of course, the the branch the branch of uh, you know different divisions have have taken place now with you know the added divisions, even wellness coming up. I don't think this year they're doing wellness, right. but. Uh, it's it's all going to be have a place for the main stage eventually, and Jake's going to make sure that happens. I'm sure. But we've seen more publicity this year for women's bodybuilding than we've seen in God gosh knows how long. I mean, Combined. since yeah. my early days, you know. Yeah. Um, which, I, which I think is great. I mean, it's equal distribution. But you know, let's. I'm going to be honest. I mean, the, the the men's side is still what sells the show. That's what we're discussing today. So I, no disrespect to the other divisions. I mean, I came from the men's bodybuilding side. That's why. Obviously, we're having that discussion, um, but the whole production value is, is, you know, every athlete has a place in this event's success. Yeah, it's it's absolutely, um, and everybody's going to be able to access it. Obviously, they're going to stream the show just like the Arnold was streamed. I watched it. The quality was great. The coverage was good. I know um, they have the right people behind the mics. Could you imagine if, if you had, like, live streaming back when you and Ronnie were on stage, how things would be different? We actually had pay-per-view. If pay- you, correct. Oh, but, you know, that that – you know, it was kind of limited, but mm-hmm. it, a lot of people stayed home and watched it then. I mean, it was at Mandalay Bay and, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. I mean, I'm looking at a poster right now that was on Times Square sitting in my office and, you know, to have that advertised as a pay-per-view event and Triple H was emceeing the show and all that. It's pretty wild. Um, but I felt that bodybuilding fell back a little bit. And I would say, you know, AMI kind of tried to, you know, change the event and hopefully Jake's going to bring that back. And I, you know, this live stream, I, I know they're spending a lot of money to, to create a very quality uh, live stream. And I think this this is going to set the standard for years. To, we'll, we'll continue to see these live streams because it's so successful mm-hmm. for the family and friends that can't attend these events. I think it's absolutely necessary. 
um, and you know, to do a quality live stream, not just sell it off to someone to do it on whatever channel. Right. I think it's, it's going to be great to do. It's kind of like considered a pay-per-view event, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people, because the internet seems like it's been around forever, live streaming is still fairly new. I think the first year they did one was when Amazon was the title sponsor. And I think yeah. Amazon actually paid for and did a lot of the, the live stream stuff, but the quality is leaps and bounds better. Like if you watch the Arnold live stream, it was, it was great. I mean, it almost felt like you were there, which was which was cool. And I fully expect this one to be top notch uh, as well. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not cheap, that's for sure. No, it's it's definitely not. One thing too, like you mentioned, like the sh the show that you're in was at Mandalay Bay. I think that what Dan and, and Jake has shown is that they're going to make the best decision possible for the event. Um, you know, and that was like thinking about where they want the event to be, and and that's that's it. And I've always said, like, you know what would be cool is, like, if they had a traveling Olympia, um, kind of like the Super Bowl, it goes to different cities every year. And if you can make it uh, a fan experience, it would be great. But it's just their willingness to change, I think, is what is going to be – it's super exciting for the sport. I think that was the first discussion is, you know, taking it out of the Orleans and bringing it to a larger venue and with a little more publicity. Uh, I, th I don't know because of contracts that was, you know, limited to when they could do that. Sure. but. They were able to do that, and I think uh, you know it's heading in the right direction for sure. Do you think a traveling Olympia would work? You know, like I, a different city. I think it would. It's just it's it's a logistic nightmare for the for the staff, right? Um, and you're going to have your your places that you may think are better, um, but they might not. The problem is Vegas. It's just it's so affordable. The tickets yeah. are affordable. The hotels are affordable. You know, when you travel to like let's say they had it in Chicago or they had it in. I mean, they had it in Helsinki, Finland. Mm -hmm. You got to remember the tickets to fly there, and and uh, you know, staying in certain hotels. It's very limited, right? So you have to figure out, okay, what's the best demographic to have, you know, where the show is going to be located. Right. Uh, New York, if you remember, it was at Madison Square Garden mm -hmm. when Ronnie Coleman won his first. But can you imagine? I mean, the prices to have a show there, uh, you know, block off a little bit of, of that. It needs to be around these boxing matches or UFC events that they're hosting there. Uh, I, I just don't know how they would plan that. And I think that's why they've decided Vegas seems to be the hot hotbed for it. That's why I, I find, I find the rock show just intriguing that they're incorporating other things into it. Right. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to say the Olympia dropped the ball on that, but like, like a UFC fight, during the weekend of the event. I mean, things that are very Vegas like, you know, when you think of UFC, you still think of Vegas. Um, it would have been cool had they said like, let's make this an overall fan experience. Let's have the show be the main event, but let's have some prelim fights or just something like that to incorporate, um, to do more. And that's, I think another reason why I like the Arnold so much is that there's just so much going on. Um, has there ever, to your knowledge, ever been discussion about, is there other things, other forms of entertainment we can bring into this weekend to make it more about the fans? Yeah, they, they're always looking for, for new um, involvement. I think that's why they, they kind of, even this year, they brought in, you know, Shaquille O'Neal to yeah. get more eyes on the event. Uh, he's kind of like the, the face of kind of the position I was last year, right? Um, you know, mainstream sponsors are always hard to come by. And this year's you know, this has been the toughest year of all uh, because, you know, a lot of people's budgets are kind of tapped out with, with what we had to deal with. But uh, I think... I think, you know, there's always that mindset, let's do it better. Um, but you remember, it just went into someone else's reins in mm -hmm. the last year. And I, I'm not going to sit there and, and talk negatively on how the Olympia was run for the past 10 years. Uh, but I think the budget was very limited. That's For sure. That's what the issue was, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and even even like the production value of things that Jake and Dan are putting together, it just it seems more like I don't. It just seems like the stage is bigger. Like figuratively, literally, it just seems like a bigger stage. Uh, and I think the guys could also help with that again too by you know kind of our conversation earlier, like showcasing more personality, inject some character. And I, I had this conversation earlier. It's like when you and, and Ronnie injected some personality into what you're doing. Not only did it bring more eyes to the sport, but what I think it did is it made you memorable post bodybuilding career too. Like, yes, you won four Olympias, but people still remember those classic pose downs between you and Ronnie and you carried that with you and you, the DVDs that you guys had to, obviously you can build on that in your business post bodybuilding. Yes. Battle for the Olympia. I don't know if you remember those DVDs. So we would have, you know, between like six weeks down, Mitsuru Kabi would travel to each person qualified for the event that was able to be present. Some of the overseas guys he had to get after the show and compiled into the DVD. That would allow people to learn people's personality. So it would be, you know, they'd go to the gym, maybe they'd say a few words, maybe they he'd show up at their house and he'd get to see, you know, their dogs or, you know, what kind of cars right. they drove or, you know, what kind of food they were eating. That really helped build a lot of personality in the business. And I think that's what we're, if I was, if I was to, make any changes i would definitely do some sort of a traveling battle for the olympia leading up to the event and it listen every division should have it mm -hmm. you know because it's it's not just a one it's a it's not just a man show it's it's physique it's classic it's all those things the women's side they really you know on the digital muscle channel since that's kind of like the the olympia channel they could literally post these videos up there and show the battle. Um, these are the people coming for it. And it could be just straight instead of a DVD being launched months after the contest is over. And then the next year, you know, the people's personalities are built up. You can build the show and say, gather interest and say, man, I want to go see this person compete. This guy seems feisty or this woman seems like, you know, she's more driven than this one or, you know, and you know, there's a lot of drama in the in the men's physique division, right? Yeah, for these sure. Guys, these guys, I mean, they should just have a they should have a boxing match after this event is over with some of these guys that are going at it. But I just think it would create more buzz. I mean, that's what people want to see. I mean, I just don't think there's a ton of hype. Um, you know, if you leave it up to the individual to do it themselves, you're gonna have a few standout people like I mentioned, but you're going to lack in other places. Yeah, I think it's a good business decision on people in general to just show character and show personality because to be memorable, uh, not only for what you leave on the stage, but off the stage too, I think. And that's, you know, I was talking to Terrence Ruffin um, a couple weeks ago, and it's like everybody remembers his 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 uh, his routine from the Arnold. Like everybody's like his posing, and it, it is awesome. Mm -hmm. But it seems like nobody knows who, who anything beyond that about him, unless you're like hardcore in his inner circle. So it's like, you know, having him on the podcast was an opportunity for him to open up and talk a little bit more about himself, and that was good. I think people like him, it's like you're one of the best posers in the world in terms of your routine and your, your fluidity and your motions, but you need to be known more for more than just that. Yeah, and you make a good point because I don't know much about him. I've met him on occasion, but I know he's a great poser, But and I know he's like a front runner. He's mm -hmm. made a lot of improvements. That's about all I know, and I'm inside the business, so what does right. that tell you? Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, we have every platform possible, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, you name it, it's here, it's instantaneous. Think about like just building, you're building a business now. I mean, you, you can't compete your entire life. 
Father time calls at some point, unless you're Dexter Jackson, and you have to you have to walk off the stage. What are you going to do then? Like, I mean, and, and you're a great example of that. Like, you you were very smart with your investments, though, too. We talked. I think you know last time you won a Hummer on one of your shows. I think you sold it and invested in real estate. You know, and, and now you have Cutler Nutrition, which is absolutely phenomenal. But you set yourself up for success during your runs at these Olympias by not only being great. But being being somebody people remembered, not just for your trophies, but you you had a lot of memorable stuff. Yeah, I mean, the biggest fear I ever had, honestly, was, you know, I was told by, you know, a upper level person, like, listen, when you retire, your phone's never going to ring again. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like, is that true? So I made sure that I had, you know, all my other stuff that I looked at. And, you know, I took pretty much what, what I made in bodybuilding and turned it into other things. But. I, I was like, that was a challenge to me, right? So the stage became a place where I couldn't really challenge guys anymore. I just, I got old, unfortunately. Um, and then I said, okay, can I be like still a big face in this business? And I've shown like traveling and being face to having FaceTime with people is, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. That's why like this whole COVID thing kind of scares me a little bit with, you know, with the Zoom calls and like whatever, because FaceTime means so much more. If you're going for a big meeting, you know, it's it's going to make more impression to walk in somewhere, right? Right. Um, than it is like getting on a phone. Think about like with Fitbutters, right? You're calling a place. Hey, well, I want to get into your if, – what if you walk in that location exactly. with a, a prop? Yep. You know what I'm saying? Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to send you a sample. Check this out. What if you walked in? Especially Jay Cutler, right? If, if I walk into a place – like people are going to be like, Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's harder for them to say no. Right. And then, uh, you know, let the product do it through the talking after that. But I think, you know, that was my fear and I continued to strive to be better and, and kind of put myself out there and try to mentor people and, you know, try to be a positive role model. I think that's the most important thing. I'm a success story in bodybuilding. It's not, doesn't have to all be negativity. And as you know, there's a lot of negativity, mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's kind of, kind of how I've kind of dictated how I've done things. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly like the trophies are great, and but I think it, the, the stuff that you do outside the victories kind of builds you up as a. I, I use Kai Green as an example. Like he didn't win a single Olympia, but he, if he he went to an event, his line would be around the block. He has built himself up through person. But him and Phil had like that really intense rivalry, which is good. They both injected personality in what was going on. Um, and even though Kai never won Olympia, he can still be super successful in life because he built up the persona of Kai Green and who he is that people will always remember him, whether it's the look, the hair, the body, how he speaks so like artistically. And, and, and he's a different cat. I love Kai. He's a different cat. Um, trying to have a conversation with him. But, I mean, that's who he is, and that's what people remember. So it's not like you have to win titles. Titles are great, 100%. But if you can do the other things, too, that go along with that, I think you can be successful, you know, post your bodybuilding career, too. Absolutely. Strength isn't a slogan. You want to win this year? Yes, no! What time is it? Game time! What time is it? Game time! It's not an image you find on billboards or the big screen. It's never been about any of that. It's all around you, in everyday moments, just waiting to be unleashed. Strength is the knowledge that inside you lies anything you've ever wanted to be. The confidence that your failures never define you. And the passion and purpose to drive beyond any limits placed upon you.
When you call upon it, strength embraces you, challenges you, pulls you back up, no matter how many times you fall. It compels you to draw on courage, resilience, intensity, and hope, and expects your very best to help others find theirs. True strength demands you build more than muscle, not in pursuit of a personal best, but a better tomorrow for everyone. of the people in the world that are willing to do whatever it takes to reach their goals. We're talking about business, success, education. Willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. For the last two decades, we have been the best kept secret of the supplement industry. We've kept our heads down and worked. We pioneered full label transparency and full therapeutic doses because we believe that truly hard work requires truly effective tools. Two decades is a long time to commit to one pursuit, but when you act with purpose and become centered in yourself, eventually you realize that you were born and bred for this. The things you once thought impossible, you now do every day. We don't like the easy way, just doesn't feel right. We'll take the long, hard road over a shortcut any day. It takes longer, sure, but in the end, you know you earned it. And with the right team behind you, pushing yourself further than you've ever been will be just another afternoon doing what you love most. Nutrition, how is it doing? Uh, doing very well. I mean, you know, I'm mostly my models direct to consumer. I am getting in some retail locations uh, that have got behind the brand, but uh, way ahead of what I ever expected it to do would be on year two come February of mm -hmm. 21. Uh, we actually launched February 1st uh, in uh, 19. So uh, it's been it's been great. I mean, it's uh, obviously a big change from what I've done in the past. Um, a lot of new product formulation. Um, exciting. I mean, it's exciting. It's it's just another benchmark of what I'm trying to do uh, to solidify myself in the in the business. You know, I'm bringing on some influencers and athletes and 
you know, big expansion for 21 for sure. I, I expect uh, I expect a big increase, but during COVID, I still grew tremendously, and uh, you know, I'm very happy with the outcome so far. A lot of great feedback. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, we've been telling it too. A, a lot of people ask. It's like. We, we talked about this on the first podcast, but like big name bodybuilder attaches his name to a supplement line. Generally, it's not great. In your case, that's not the case. It's awesome. I mean, it prevails one of the, it's still, in my opinion, like one of the best pre-workouts in the market because it's not just like, and I love your ads on Facebook. I'm not sure if you help with them, but it's like, hey, if you're looking for a, a caffeine-laden pre-workout with 500 milligrams, this isn't for you. Like, it's, it's great. I mean, you, you cut to the choice, like, I, what is it, 200, 250 milligrams? It's very low, like in terms of low. I say low because nowadays it's like you have to have 400 plus, but it works. It works well. How I think maybe we talked about this in the podcast one, but people didn't watch that. Like, how hands on were you in the formulation process of that? Uh, I mean, I, I was, you know, obviously I'm not uh, a total detail formulator, so I've had some help on ingredients and looking at. I'm actually testing some new stuff now, but and you know, it's really hard, honestly, not to launch a pre workout that's just like, yeah, that's just totally crazy because you still have that that those certain people that like, oh man, I just I need to feel more, right? But they haven't really grasped the whole nootropics, like the good feel and the safe. I mean, that's the thing at, at 47, like I'm, I'm looking at, okay, I want to create a product that's, you know, that's product. It, it really had, you, you can really get great benefit from, but it's not going to hinder your health to that aspect. Right. That's exactly. people's biggest concern is like, okay, can I take this long term? Right. Um, so for me, uh, I tested every product. I've looked at every ingredient pretty much. Um, I'm always looking for an edge and I'm first to jump on some of the newer. Um, I'm looking to do like a, a crazy pump product right now. I want to go deeper than what Amplify gives. Um, so, you know, and I'm looking for different ways to get that. So it's not just, I know everyone has their powdered version or, you know, some people take, you know, still use a capsule or whatever else, but there's different ways I think for people to take their pre-workouts or, the intro workouts or whatever. So I'm always trying to find the advantage, but you know, flavor is great. The price has to be right. And obviously you have to feel certain things. So um, surprisingly enough, my number one product sale is, is my triumph test booster, which is, Makes which sense. is very, very good. Um, I, I mean, I, I push this to obviously the men's side, but the women, a lot of women actually use the product too. Um, and it's very safe. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's surprisingly been, you know, a big seller for me alongside the pre-workouts and, you know, even the stem free pre-workouts. I mean, it's a big push, but the protein's done really well for me too. I yeah. mean, I've used this cereal flavor, um, kind of promotion thing. And you've seen the ads on Facebook. I do with feeding it to the dogs and whatever. Right. Um, I kind of use these funny commercials and putting these little skits together. So it's, it's really helped a lot. And, you know, that's our main advertisement is through the media channels and, uh, you know, it's not just strictly for bodybuilders, but um, we're using it. We have a pretty general audience, which is exciting. You mentioned being specific about brick and mortar that you're going into. I know I think one's Paul Callahan, Bullfrog Nutrition. We're both in that store, and, and Paul's a big advocate for the sport. But, like, what's the what's the criteria for you in terms of, like, because a lot of these, I'm sure you get hit up all the time, like, Jay, we want to carry your stuff. And, and I've actually reached out to you because I've had brands reach out to me in retail locations. But you, you, you hold that pretty close because you want to be in the correct spots. Price integrity, so meaning um, I don't let people sell online or on Amazon. On there, um, we're the only ones really selling on those uh, two different channels. Um, obviously, eBay too, but um, we try to just protect the price. And I want to get um, the understanding of. I mean, when a store is selling pro hormones or SARMs or whatever else, it's not really my 
it's not what I'm looking for. I want people to educate um, their their clients on what kind of ingredients are in their products, right? Because there's so many. I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit there and tell people oh, this is the best pre-workout. There's so many competitive pre-workouts. And as you know, I mean, there's, there's brands out there launching new stuff every week. Uh, but I want, you know, there's great benefits to it. Um, and if you have some brand integrity and you believe in the products, uh, I believe that, you know, if it fits your pocket, this is, this is the ultimate brand. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have to educate the people. You can't just, you know, people come in and they buy like, you know, the C4s or whatever else, cause they've seen it advertised for years. You know, there's much more advancement on certain products, um, as, as progression goes on. So for me, I just try to educate people. Hey, this is, this is what's in the product. Um, Paul's given me a lot of great leads. He's a great guy, Bullfrog. Um, so I, you know, anyone he recommends usually has pretty good, uh, you know, they have integrity with the brands. Um, but to be honest, I mean, like I said, I'm mostly a direct brand. I mean, I'm not really pushing stores necessarily because I just know there's just a lot of people going in those stores that are kind of brand, they have a mindset of what they're going to buy when they go in there. Um, but I got to get it in more people's hands. That's the goal. And uh, customer acquisition is like the key, right? Right. I find it interesting. Right? I always wonder, you know, when you're a professional bodybuilder, and you're always a professional bodybuilder, but when you're actively competing, you have contractual obligations with brands that you sign, uh, you know, obviously to use their products. And a lot of times people will give pushback to professional athletes, like why are they, why are they teaming with this brand when this brand doesn't come up with stuff? I think what people need to understand too is like, there's not a lot of money in bodybuilding unless you're like top five in the world. I mean, you, you got to make a living still, but you know, back then when you were with some of these other brands um, and taking their products versus now, like how much more are you educated as somebody that's a brand owner or were you always educated, but you just kind of had to suck it up and take some stuff because I mean, that was your sort of your obligation as a, as a employee, I guess, or a, or a representative. You know, I can sit here and, and tell you with, with all the brands, you know, I started with Weeder. I was with ISS, who was basically, oh, yeah. Yep. I went with Muscle Tech for eight years. And then, of course, I started launching my own stuff, you know, whether it was, you know, in affiliation with other brands. I, I kind of had an idea. The The thing that I've learned the most now is obviously production cost of goods <laughs> that go in a product, um, you know, what's legal and what's not illegal, yeah. right? Um, and, you know, obviously, the take, like the aspect of, okay, how do people approach buying products and, you know, what turns people on to a brand. Um, I knew, you know, I was educated on the weeder side. I was educated through ISS and I was educated uh, tremendously through muscle tech. And I want to, I want to specifically point out muscle tech because they would fly me up there and they would literally the same thing you see on my media where I get, uh, you know, basically plain bottles from my manufacturer. Right. I did the same thing with muscle tech and each athlete would have a product that they were kind of like the highlighted athlete for that product. So like, for example, when they launched pump tech, I don't yep. know, even know if you remember this yep. product, like I tested that product. It was basically NO2, you know, pre-workout pump product. Sure. Right. So, uh, I, I tested it and I used it and you know, they said, okay, we want the feedback. So they'd fly, literally fly me up there. I'd sit with Paul and all the, you know, the uh, and people that were kind of formulating the products and they'd say, what is your opinion? What could be better? What could, you know, and the only complaint I ever had was they were red pills and you would eat the red pills and your teeth would be like all red after, you know, but they worked. And, uh, 
you know, I kind of went through that whole thing. I mean, they were just a top-notch company, um, and that allowed me to learn a lot, uh, not only as an athlete, but, you know, in, in that side of um, the formulation side. Although I didn't know, like I said, the cost and the materials to, to get these products out there and how much it costs to actually advertise and launch these products, where to launch them. Um, definitely this direct-to-consumer model has been the whole focus when I launched the brand. And I've learned so much about that uh, through trial and error, right? For sure. For and sure. uh, that's where I've kind of learned the most. But the ingredients from 10 years ago are so different. Mm, yeah, you're right. So different. I mean, I took straight creatine 10 years ago. I was using alpha-lipoic acid. I was using straight products, right? So I like that some of these things are still available and people still tell me, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, this whole carb culture, like they went through... um you know, all the Vitargos and the waxy maze. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I have a carb cluster in, in my repair product, but like I used to go to Costco and buy the powdered Gatorade, you yep. know, the, uh, and just dextrose. I mean, that's what cell tech was. And I, I was a huge cell tech advocate back right. in the muscle tech days and add some creatine to that. You put on 10 pounds, like nothing. Yeah. Right. No, my brother did that. Yeah. That's, that was my first sort of, uh, introduction to the supplement world, but no, it's great. And, and I know the people at I of eight still talk fondly of you. The ones that are still there that when you're around, I mean, they always say, Hey, tell Jay, I said hi and stuff. So, uh, and they still have that focus on, you know, I, I don't know what your relations are with them now, but they still want to be, you know, do things the right way, especially the way they're going now, which is, which is refreshing to have a big brand, um, you know, like that, do that. So uh, as we wrap in the show here, I got to get, um, obviously we got to get to the predictions you know, we are, uh, shoot, four weeks away, something like that. Is this podcast from from the Olympia? Um, who you got and why? Damn, you didn't you didn't send me the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, do you need the list? You um, know, you know who you're picking. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna say um, based on who I think is showing up today, and that listen, that can change. I know because like uh, Brandeo's out now, James Hollingsworth is up. He's out now. Cedric is out, right? Um, they, they thought they announced that all these guys are out now. So, yeah. I mean, the James, James would have been in the top 10 for sure. I mean, he, he missed an opportunity there, but, um, top guys, I would say definitely, I'm going to pick Phil Heath to win. Yep. I'm going to pick Brandon in second with between Bonnick and him. Hottie Chupin's going to be in there. Dexter Jackson. Uh, I would say Rami or Roly finish around that place. But I think, uh, I think your top three is, uh, going to be Bonnick, um, Heath and, uh, and Brandon Curry. Yeah. I think in no particular. I, 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 Dexter might slip in there. Depends on, I, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't seen him lately. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's very. And, and Chupin could be in there too. I'm not going to discount him. Although I don't know if he's, I mean, I, he's a question mark. I, yeah, I, I don't think know. He's gonna get there. I don't know the travel restrictions at all at this point. So last know. year, last year, Brandon, uh, Bonick, and Chupin were, and then Dexter was fourth, right? right. Yeah, I think. But the, I think Roly was fifth. So, so we have Rami in there this year, so he's going to be there somewhere. But uh, I think Dexter's, you know, Dexter, shoot, he could be fifth to first, you know, yeah, it really could be. Uh, I guess any of those and, guys you mentioned probably could be like, I, I have Phil winning too, just because I, I feel like two years off is going to be, you know, so he's going to come back saying, well, you know, this is my title. Uh, he'll get, and I hate to say that because I, listen, I love Brandon's like awesome, you know, and he's, a, I, I don't, I don't think people are really discrediting him. I think it's just, um, people aren't 
acknowledging him as much because he's fairly new to like the elite class, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Bonick's been knocking at the door now for a couple of years where Curry was fifth prior to winning. Sure. So uh, I think, you know, and, and there's going to been these guys that stole the thunder. I think the most disrespected guy is, is uh, Bonick because Bonick, I mean, you've got to look at his track record the last three years. I mean, he's been, you know, third, second, Arnold winning uh, second last year at the Olympia. Like, why is no one talking about William Bonick as a potential guy to knock at that door? He could be second in this show. Yeah, for sure. Can he win? We'll see. I don't know, man. Prove me wrong and win the show, but I think he could be close. You know, he definitely got a great package. I just feel Heath is just he's he's got something to prove, you know. And I, I've been there. I've lost the title. I've come back and win it, and I think Phil is going to be the second man in history to do it. Let's talk. Let's end the podcast with advice to the young bodybuilders, men and women, um, who might be on a regional level seeking their pro card because a lot of them want to know, like, what advice – because you were there in their shoes once. What advice do you give to the young athletes out there? You you know what? I'm not going to give competitive advice because I feel like everything is time and everything is – you know, figuring out what works best for your body. And some people may find that formula, they may never. But the truth be told is you need to build your brand because you can be very successful in this business. You can be successful in the ways that people view success, whether it's on stage, off stage, you know, you just got to treat people with respect. You need to be confident, but not arrogant. Um, but more importantly, you need to put your content out there, create right now, you know, a website with your name, do your YouTube channel, do all social platforms, Snapchat, TikTok, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, have all that stuff. So when you're, your career, I always tell these people, put a YouTube video, train your chest on your YouTube video. Okay. Whether it's male, female, you might get two views, but you know what? In 10 years, when you're become a huge name, someone's going to go back and watch that video. That's what's great. The YouTube is like the best channel, in my opinion, because it doesn't disappear in your feed. You know, we can post things on Instagram, you know, and and 50 pictures later, no one ever sees it, right? Because it's no one's scrolling through unless they're checking someone out. Uh, YouTube is like you, you type in those keywords and what do you got? It pops up. There it is, and uh, you know it's forever, right? I got videos on there from 2008. People say I watch your video. The most common thing people tell me at these events is, I was just watching a video before I went to the gym or before I came here, and you were eating chicken breast or you were working out, and like people want to watch. Okay, I'm gonna do chess. Let's let's type in YouTube. It's free, right? Yep. Let's watch Jay do chess, and that's how they're gonna get the tips for their workout that they're gonna go do in 10 or 15 minutes. So. Just put your content out, um, follow the people you like, like pictures, comment, um, tag people like myself. So we go along and I try to go, I spend a minute each night going through my Instagram feed and liking and commenting on pictures. I try to do at least 20 comments because I feel like if people are going to tag me and post pictures that are relative to me, I'm going to give them the respect, even if they have three followers. Uh, I try to give everyone um, notoriety no matter what. I'm I'm like a person that tries to put people on. That's what my YouTube channel is all about, creating a platform for the people that don't have the following. Um, so, you know, just make sure you, you correspond and uh, do your media stuff. Love it. I mean, yeah, 
I, I love that's the advice that you gave because I, I, you're I absolutely mean, right. You're, you're a prime example. I remember when you started. Yeah. And your Instagram had like nobody, right? Nobody. Yeah, I, I wasn't nobody. Still, I'm a nobody, but I, I kept putting content out there, you know? And then I tried my hand at some bodybuilding stuff for a little bit, got a little bit bigger, and then here we are. So, But I'm sure you watched it and you were like, man, I just need more likes or I need more comments and that you've seen the thing grow, right? Yep, exactly. I mean, just don't let it overtake your life, right? Don't become infatuated with likes. Um, but at the same time, you, you can't get likes if you don't put the content out there in the first place. So, dude, I appreciate it. A year ago, you gave a happy birthday message to my now fiance. We're married in a couple of weeks, so she cannot wait to find out. Thank you.